Thanks for listening to the Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at the Diamond Producers Association. Natural diamonds are inherently rare and finite, but diamonds are one of the few luxury items that can become more valuable and meaningful the more you wear them. Diamond jewelry is both a work of nature and human art. Their beauty is not born out of delicacy, though. Natural diamonds are formed from withstanding an immense amount of pressure. They're strong. In our culture, given as a gift to someone else, a diamond symbolizes authentic love, which is also a beautiful gift to give yourself. Whether you're celebrating a life milestone, marking the beginning of one phase or end of another, or perhaps simply just because. To learn more about natural diamonds, visit realisadiamond.com. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Michelle Pfeiffer. When my acting career was just beginning and I was dreaming about how that might unfold, Michelle was one of the women I looked to. I was so mesmerized by her on the screen and anything she was in. She's had so many seminal performances and so many that have been incredibly inspiring to me, especially Dangerous Liaisons and Scarface. Although Michelle and I do talk about favorite male co-stars and best on-screen kisses today, we also talk about who Michelle is off-screen. We talk about our marriages and how she met her husband after she decided to adopt her daughter and the glue that has kept her family together for decades. And of course, we talk about how Michelle got into non-toxic beauty. When she became a mom, like a lot of us, she started paying attention to the ingredients and products, which wasn't easy to do at the time because the personal care world was not transparent at all. Michelle fell down a rabbit hole of Googling different chemicals to see if they were harmful or not, which is a rabbit hole I know well. She got discouraged at times, but mostly she got curious, and I'm so glad she did. Today, Michelle is on the board of the Environmental Working Group. She's a champion of transparency and education, and she's come up with an incredibly cool solution to the fragrance issue. Fragrance tends to be a black box of ingredients because traditionally it's been considered a trade secret. That has meant that companies can put whatever ingredients they want into the fragrance bucket and not disclose what they are, even if they are potentially toxic and harmful. With her new perfume line, Henry Rose, Michelle is revolutionizing the industry by creating fragrances using safe synthetics. Just the idea that there are safe synthetics out there is really interesting to me. It expands the options for people who don't do well with some natural ingredients and essential oils. 
And it also expands the options for big companies who are interested in making the shift from toxic to non-toxic scents, which at the end of the day is what I think most consumers want. Just as important, the Henry Rose perfumes smell incredible. I love them all, but Jake is my favorite. It has a very clean scent. And with that, let's get to my chat with Michelle Pfeiffer. It's been a long time. I know. And you kind of stopped doing movies for a minute. I did. That didn't really have anything to do. In fact, that might have provoked me into this in a a way. But no, I, I stopped just... It wasn't really a conscious decision. I just didn't, I just, you know, I wasn't living in Los Angeles and we had moved and it was a huge undertaking and, and I had never really, you know, moved to a, a different city before where it was literally starting all over and you just, you don't know where to buy a shoelace, you know, it's just sort of like... You mean when you left Los Angeles for Northern Yeah, Hill? and I think it took a long time to settle in and... What um, was the impetus to move? just wanted to get out of Dodge for a while. Yeah. I wanted to see if it would be different, if it would be better. And I was feeling like I was living in a fishbowl here. And so it was really good. I mean, it, I'm really happy that we did it. And it was nice raising the kids outside of Los Angeles. Not that they're cocooned from everything because we weren't like, you know, in the boonies somewhere. Just a slightly slower lifestyle and, you know, maybe a slightly diverse population than you might find here and so I think it was it was really good for it but then they left and then we were there and then we realized we were on airplanes all the time and in fact we both started working more than we had been working because I think having the kids there was really influencing me just not saying yes and my nickname became you know doctor no and not that (laughs) I, I didn't work at all because I did, I, but it was always, okay, what time of year, how many weeks, where is it shooting, yeah. you know, what's going on with them. And, and it became, so when they left, it was all of a sudden I was free to do whatever I kind of wanted. It's it's funny. It's really, it's a very specific career in the way that it's so all-encompassing of time. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, I found it, when I had my kids, I thought I how does one do this? I mean, if you're out of town for three months or even if you're in town, but your work hours are 14 hours a day, it becomes hard when you have children to pursue a full-time film career. And so now that they're out of the house and they're grown humans. They're grown humans. Do you feel more of an agency? And do you feel more of a pull back towards film? Well, you know, doing, built, starting this company and, you know, it was, as you know, well, yours happened in such a more natural, organic way and that you started blogging. It just sort of evolved, you know, me, I just sort of set out to start this business and, and, and formulate these fragrances and get these verifications. And it was sort of, everything was new. Everything was a learning curve and making decisions, not knowing, what I was basing those dis- just going by gut, just simply going by gut because I had nothing else to go on, and so I just went. To, uh, actually, went back and did a, a two day, a day of re- of sort of reshoots for Maleficent, and it was so fun because it you're was like just as a break. It was just acting. <laughs> All I have to do is remember my lines. 
<laughs> what was the catalyst for fragrance? Were you trying to kind of fill a white space for yourself or did you think, I want to start a company? I, I did not think I would be starting a company. That was not a no. It was by default. It was, I realized at a certain point, it was the only way it was going to get made. So it it started when I became a mom and I started to look at the world through the eyes of my kids and pay attention, not even closer attention because I didn't pay attention at all up until then, but just pay attention to the environment and the kinds of things I was exposing them to and started looking at ingredients. And at that time, that was many, many years ago, the world wasn't transparent at all. And, and, you know, and it was very difficult to find information. And one day I came across the environmental working group Skin Deep. It was like like going down the rabbit hole. I mean, it was finally there was information for me and and then it was kind of scary and anxiety of, and anxiety provoking. Yeah. So for those of us listening that might not know, the Environmental Working Group is an amazing organization of which you're now on the board, mm -hmm. which is so fantastic. And they have a database where they've aggregated information on every, basically every CPG product in the market, right? And they tell you what's in it and they mm -hmm. rate it for mm -hmm. levels of toxicity. Is that right well, to say? Yeah. They basically gather up and accumulate all of the recent science and data available to date from all over the world. And then they rate ingredients on their hazard level. So what would happen was, and they do a lot of other things as well. You know, they do a lot of lobbying. They do a lot of work for the environment. They're amazing. amazing. I'm a big fan. It's incredible. You know, you sit at these board meetings and you, and you listen to everything that we're accomplishing. And it's kind of extraordinary. So they've really become the de facto kind of personal care products, safety watchdogs, because nobody else really is. And when you discovered the website, is that when you started yeah, to understand? Yeah, so what would happen was is I would go on and, and find a product and it would, it would appear to be safe and the ingredients would be fine. And then all of a sudden fragrance would come along and they would ping it really high for hazard and... And this happened time and time and time again. And so I, of course, took that to mean, oh, fragrance must be really, really toxic. So I, at the end of the day, I stopped wearing it altogether. And I kept looking for kind of different options and safer options and more natural. Op and I just really couldn't. Anyway, I just stopped wearing it for about 10 years. And I really love perfume. And so... I started to see the sort of needle kind of moving and shifting in the world of clean cosmetics and then the green space and everywhere but fragrance still, you know, it was pretty much you could begin to find really great products in that space, but fragrance was still the black box of ingredients and so you just didn't know what was in it. So, well, and then I since then have learned, I want to clarify this, that no, it doesn't mean that all fragrance is in, is is toxic. It means that we don't know what's in it. And if you don't know what's in it, you can't be sh assured of its safety. So um, fragrance is like a Trojan horse. So it was created to say, to protect perfume houses from other people understanding what was right. in, but it became a way to have opacity around 
Anything. Yeah. So you can yeah. put anything under fragrance and you don't have to disclose what's in it. And so yeah. there actually are synthetic fragrances that are safe. Right. But there are synthetic fragrances that are Well, not and that safe. was also when I first started this out. So I set out to say, I wonder why no one has done this. Surely there are other people in the world looking for this same kind of product. I'm going to see if it's possible. I really wanted to do something that was of the same kind of quality of other fine fragrances yeah. in the marketplace. Cause I thought if it can't compete at that level, I'm, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. So I'm, I thought the needle has moved and the needle has shifted and maybe one of these bigger cosmetics companies would be interested. And, uh, they just, you know, looked at me like I had three heads. I mean, they just, I literally <laughs> had one, one of their leading scientists say to me, we love parabens. He said, parabens are good for you. That's not what the emerging is like science is okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I got discouraged really quickly. It just it just it you know, the climate they just weren't no it wasn't nobody was ready really to do it. And so I forgot about it for a while and then I want to say, like, for a long time I forgot about it. Maybe, like, four years later, anyway, I thought, you know, I, I think I wanted to see. And so I, I contacted, that's when the first time I actually met Ken Cook. And, the, and I had been using their database and utilizing their website and all of these years. And I thought maybe they would, and I knew that transparency was a big issue for them. And I thought maybe they would be interested in doing some sort of a collaboration with me naively. So I met with them and he kindly told me no, that that would be a conflict of interest, but they were very supportive and, and shared with me that this has been something they had been trying to push through, which was more transparency in within the fragrance industry. And you could just see him going, ah, so good luck. You know, it's just, <laughs> and I, I, I quickly got discouraged again, and then about three years ago, I thought I'm going to give it one more try, and I circled back with EWG, and at that point, they had started their verified program. And the verified program is where they actually work directly with private companies to evaluate the ingredients of their products using their database. And, so you sort of um, can run your product through their yeah, portal yeah, and they can yeah. approve it or yeah. so they can... I thought I was going to be doing a all natural, all naturals, organic sort of product. And they assured me I could do that and it would be beautiful, but I wouldn't be able to get the verification because of the allergens. And that oh. there are safer synthetics and there are safer plant-based materials. And is this a mix of both? This is a mix of both. That's so fascinating. Yes. Okay, so I'm wearing Jake's house, which I love. Who is Jake? And Jake is my grandfather. Oh. I grew up with a house of smokers, and so our house always just reeked of stale tobacco. And when we would go back to my grandparents' house, their house smelled like just this fresh, soapy smell, and it was in talk. In fact, it was in their bathroom. And I used to just go and sit in their bathroom and take in this scent. So that was kind of, Jake's house is very clean and a little bit kind mm -hmm. of soapy. It sort of smells like you mm -hmm. just got out of the shower. Okay, the next one <laughs> is called Dark as Night. What does that Dark mean? Dark as Night is, ooh, this is kind good. of sensual. And this is sexy. Yeah, it's very sexy. It's, mm. it's Casey's favorite. That's Casey's favorite. Oh, is it? She's been of wearing course. it, by the way. She's a pervert. She's been wearing it. <laughs> she's 
been wearing it for like six months. This is amazing. And I keep having to supply her with those tiny little like sample <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> She'll call me panicked. I'm getting on a plane and I've just run out of darkest night. Anyway. So yeah, that would be, I think. What are the notes in this one? It's musk. a lot of patchouli, patchouli. some musk. Oh, it's right got some, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm like, it's for all of us old hippies. Mm. <laughs> Young exactly. hippies, old hippies. Okay. So this one is last light. This is like when we were doing our fragrance and we would get like samples. That I end up putting them <laughs> all over my body. Oh, that is so good. God, this is giving me something from my childhood. It's like there's almost licorice in it or something. Like grass and licorice and What's in there? That's delicious. Well, it's it has musk and it has hmm. also has patchouli in it, a little bit of vetiver. You know, we don't have that many naturals. We don't have that many and most of them are synthetic. Well, most of it is synthetic, and most of it is of our naturals are more of the woods. We're working on freeing up a couple of more florals. Florals have mm. been the most challenging thing right. for us, and I think that for people who like florals, they would really gravitate toward Jake's house. That's what I yeah. find. So, it's it, it to me this it, this is what's so exciting about this is the idea that there are safe synthetics. Yeah. And that presumably big CPG companies could mm -hmm. also move towards transparency mm -hmm. and they could still, I presume, make perfume with super high margin if it's mm -hmm. synthetic. and But they could kind of shift towards, I think, what the consumer wants, which is a non-toxic fragrance. Well, and I think that what we've learned, this whole process has been extraordinary for so many reasons, but to see and watch the collaboration between IFF, who's our perfume house, International Fragrances and Flavors, and Cradle to Cradle and EWG, and these are three major institutions and that come at this from diff slightly different places. Right. And I mean, obviously, Cradle to Cradle and EWG are more in line, but to watch them this, watch them actually learn from each other, it was really cool. And like, I mean, I mean, watch them just like, there were just no egos in the room ever. That's I mean, this very was a, rare. This was really, really hard. And our perfumers were, I thought we were going to lose them at so many points along the way. Because you were pushing them because to think about had, things in a new way? we just limited. They went from typically perfumers are allowed to pull from a typical palette of about 3,000 ingredients. And when we started, they were, it was whittled down to 250. Wow. And, you know, they love naturals, you know, they love, I mean, they love their, they have amazing choice with synthetics as well, but, right. you know, but what was interesting is when, by the time we were done, it was because of that IFF was allowed to actually educate Cradle to Cradle and EWG about some of the ingredients. And we were able to free up 50 more. And so the more and more transparent we are, the more studies That's that right. can be done. And What's the company called? Henry Rhodes. So now mm. you're joining me on this e-commerce nightmare? Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> I do think it's kind of the next generation of clean fragrance, right? Like the fra we have four fragrances. It's all natural. But the idea that you can create safe synthetics, mm -hmm. I think, will we'll really revolutionize the fragrance industry. And also, I'm 
for those people who aren't able to tolerate fragrance. Right. If they right yeah. exactly because some of the ingredients yeah, that that essential oil they're beautiful but they're hard for certain certain people. Yeah. Right. I mean, it would be fantastic if you know the companies that make detergent and all kinds of that, you know, would use safe synthetics. And I think, so I admire so much what you're doing because I think this is how people start to become educated and lose this kind of binary idea about wrong and right. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And what is Michelle Pfeiffer doing? And what is safe synthetic? Yeah. The challenge is, is that it's, you know, for me, it, it, you know, I started out with one idea, and and the deeper I got into it, I realized a lot of the misconceptions I had, ignorant about so many things, and that the it was so much more complex than I realized. And I realized I'm smart, but you know, I'm not an expert in this, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm not a perfumer, I'm not a chemist, and I really, I really, really knew that if I wanted to really make the kinds of claims that I was hoping to make and the kinds of promises to people I really needed organizations like EWG and and Cradle to Cradle to make those assessments for me because right. obviously I'm not equipped but no and when, with a new company it's hard to have that kind of infrastructure well and that's also this is sort of I'm typically hate doing interviews oh really <laughs> You didn't know that about me, did you? I think (laughs) you're doing a great job. It's a big secret, I know. (laughs) A newsflash. Oh, no. But the irony is, first of all, I've done more press than I've ever done. But also, it's so much scarier for me because it's... it's it's the stakes are so high. It's it's one thing to go talk about a movie, yeah. which is important for the film, but it's like you talk about your part. It's no. like it's totally different. Right. When and it's I your can kind of go in and just sort of be like, eh, you know, and be shy and be all of those things, and people are forgiving. But this is now I'm representing EWG, Cradle to Cradle, IFF. I mean, I'm representing Henry Rose, and You're I can't an ju- I can't just go in and you know dick around. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> got to bear your soul. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's take a short break. One of the reasons I personally love natural diamonds is because they are formed from withstanding a tremendous amount of pressure. Diamonds were formed deep within the earth billions of years ago. They are the oldest piece of nature that most of us will ever touch or wear. I think this is all a beautiful metaphor for life. Opportunities to transform might present themselves to us occasionally, but if we really want to change or expand, we won't be exonerated from doing the work. The moments, relationships, and transitions that really challenge us are the ones that build our character, shape who we become, and push us to grow into more authentic versions of ourselves. The other thing that's interesting about a natural diamond is that, like us, diamonds are enduring. They don't lose their value. They actually become more valuable over time. They're durable and timeless. Which is also a compelling metaphor for life. There's a lot of beauty that comes with age when we open up to that possibility and begin to accept how rare and finite our lives here are. And ultimately, I think we're more drawn to natural diamonds because of this. They're both rare and finite. All this to say, diamonds make a beautiful gift to give to someone else or to give yourself. You can learn more about natural diamonds at realisadiamond.com. 
Okay, let's get back to the conversation. How important is clean beauty in your in the rest of your routine? Like, are you careful about the ingredients that you... You know, I am, but I, you know, the other thing that inspired me to do this and not necessarily, not necess- specifically fragrance, but just in general was I have a set of products that perform at their highest, right. that, that will tolerate high death. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are those that feel safe to me that are right. sort of for my everyday life. And maybe I'm not going to look so great, but they're safe. And I feel like on a daily basis, once you become aware of what's in things, it's this constant having to choose, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for your kids and your family. So I still struggle with that. I mean, it's better. I mean, I think in the in the clean space, there's just so many good products yeah. now. But there's still a couple of items that haven't been cracked yet, I think. So maybe that will be next. You'll add to your fragrance. (laughs) Maybe. Well, I mean, I think, too, when you're, you know, you're one of the aspects that is sort of famous about you is your beauty. And... So A, it makes sense that you would sort of be going into this realm. I mean, I think people really hold you up and, you know, it really resonates that Michelle Pfeiffer would have something vaguely to do with the world of a beauty Mm. company, right? Mm. (laughs) I mean, you're literally the most beautiful person in the world. Well, that's crazy. It's not. Oh, my God. I was just in the car this weekend and that, is it Vance Joy, that song came on? Yeah. And then there's the Bruno Mars one. Know, so like crazy. you're the popular culture reference for the most beautiful <laughs> woman in the world. Is that weird? Like when you heard those songs, what did you I, feel? I, I, I was really flattered, but I was completely, I didn't understand it. Really? I didn't know. I didn't. And my kids would just die when they would, you know, we'd be in the car with their friends and these songs would come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know you can relate. Oh my God. Is it okay if I ask you a little bit about acting, like yeah, back sure, in the day? Yeah, ask me anything. I mean, it's just so amazing, like, because obviously I think we have every actress sort of has, you know, as they're sort of dreaming of their career, right, when they're 16 or 18 or whatever, and they're watching movies, like we all have, I don't know who that person was for you or who those women were for you. But you definitely were one of those women for me that I just was so mesmerized by. And if you were in something, I went to see it. You and Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And you did so many films. And you're so good in all of them. And so which – like when you look back, do you think – like did, was there a moment where you started to feel really comfortable with your place in cinema as you were starting to get more and more successful? And what was – was there like a pivotal film where you're like, okay, this is what I do and, and who I am and I'm comfortable here? I'm making me squirm in your chair. I mean, I don't – you know, I always, I, I always feel like I'm going to be fired my first week of work. You do always, still, yeah. I used to sh- literally shake my first day of work. What was it's your like, first first film? My my very first film was called <laughs> Falling in Love Again. She doesn't remember Susanna York. Guys. Falling in Love Again. Okay. I played Susanna York as a young girl. Okay, so I, and I haven't seen this one. Well. Netflix yeah that was my very very first film yeah and then what was the film that sort of 
was like, okay, this is like, or, I mean, cause the first fit, I don't, the first film that I did that it wasn't like a hit movie, but that people were sort of, it got me a lot of other work was this film that I did called Flesh and Bone. And you were with Steve. With your so friend Steve Clovis. And I, and were, I was, yeah. all of a sudden I was yeah. like, my phone started you ringing. You were the it, yeah, that so was it. So what was that for you where your phone started ringing? Well, I mean, you, I mean, look, you could say Grease 2. It was sort of the, the first studio right. movie that I ever made. I love that movie. But I mean, so that was sort of, that sort of gave me the first big exposure and then scarf I followed it up with scarface so that was when sort of like oh well that's hmm maybe so different interesting maybe yeah. she's maybe is she a character i don't know what is she and then i remember when i did witches of eastwick i we made the film and then i went away to europe for a little bit and I came back, and all of a sudden, even then, I had done, yeah, I had done witches, I had done Scarface, I had done some other things, but it wasn't like I got recognized everywhere I went. You know, I could kind of still walk around it, but all of a sudden, witches came out, and it was sort of the, and I, and everything changed. And so, I guess that was sort of maybe oh, the biggest shift that I felt. What about dangerous liaisons? Where was that in the trajectory? That was. In my early thirties, I loved so doing that I had movie. Done, so thank much. you, thank you. I love that movie. Oh, actually. It's so good, and it really movies. stands the test of time. Mm. I watched it last summer, and it's just so good. It's and then amazing. I did. What's you know, what's been a little bit fun about Instagram and being in social media? Because I never go back and look at my films or my work, ever. But they have this throwback Thursday thing. I know. <laughs> and I so, follow you on Instagram. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and and I sort of, it's sort of given me this permission, I guess, or it's now my, I sort of need to go back and look at things. And so I'm sort of like, wow, I did a lot of work. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that was a good movie, you know, and sort of, oh, that was such a great photo shoot. And it sort of allowed me to kind of oh. go back and, and. Do you have one that you feel most proud of, like from a work perspective? No, I mean, I, I like different aspects of different things. I mean, in some ways, I am the most proud of Catwoman because it was so challenging to yes. create that character and with all of the sort of physical obstacles of that suit and the whip and the all of that nuttiness, which, as you know, is can kind of get in your way. I felt like I was just getting comfortable with the claws and with everything. My feet have never been the same, though, <laughs> Since those boots, <laughs> those Catwoman boots. Do you um, still have them? No. For date night? Oh, that's nah. so good. You know, I didn't keep any of the suits, and I should have. I was so. You're probably so over it. By I the was time. so over it, and and yeah, but you know, was that the most challenging? Like what? Mm -hmm. or, I guess. Well, there are probably physical different kinds of challenges. Yeah, like what is the yeah. what is the role that was the most emotionally challenging? Or where you felt the most out of your depth or comfort zone? Scarface was the most frightening. Wow. For sure. Why? I was young. It was, again, I, you know, was really just starting out. Hadn't, didn't have that, that much work under my belt. And I was with all of these really seasoned actors, Al Pacino, you know, was Robert he nice? Roja, Al Pacino. He was nice. 
Liar. Um, but no, he was nice, but he, you know, he didn't really want me for that part. And oh. in in, I had to really work hard to get that part. So I didn't start out with a tremendous amount of confidence, right. but he was always really, you know, respectful and to me and kind, but you know, he a little bit took on the character of Tony Montana and they, it was a kind of like the boys club with Stephen Bauer and Robert Loggia. And so I was this sort of, you know, skinny little 23 year old blonde. Oh yeah. my God. I can't even imagine. And you know, there just weren't that many women. It was Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio, but we didn't really have any scenes right. together and me and the guys. Wow. How did you come through it? Like when, when you finished, did you feel like, okay. I was just, I was just so happy that it was over. <laughs> I was just wrung out. Just Didn't you work out. with Al Pacino then again? And yeah. that was, and that was very different. You know, that Wait, was, what was that again? It was Frankie that and Johnny. Yes, Frankie yes, and Johnny. Yes, yeah. Yes, and so yes. it was many years later and I think 10 years later, I think maybe roughly about 10 years later. And we had so much fun. We laughed a lot and yeah. Who's been your favorite male co-star? Co-star. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've worked with some really great ones. Okay, I so a couple. A you can okay, say a few. Well, Jack Nicholson is oh, definitely yeah. up there. And I don't want to leave anyone out. I mean, the Bridges Brothers and Paul Rudd and... Who's the best kisser? Ah, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you when the mics are okay. off. <laughs> I think... Of all my screen kisses, I think Ethan Hawke was the best kisser. Yeah? He's the one that I remember the most. Mm. It's like, wow, he's a good kisser. Mm. Never kissed a- him. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> did you ever have like a, a boyfriend or a par- – like, you know that screen romance thing? Like, did anyone – was anyone ever freaked out about it or was it fine? Like, I had one – Boyfriend that was like, wait, oh. you're going to go to work and kiss someone? Like, yeah. what's the... You know, I don't think any of them are... I mean, I, you know, if I put, like, if 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 I were in the, in their position, I think I would maybe feel the same way. Right. You know, I've never yeah, really kind of been in that. I mean, yeah. I think if... And especially if you're not an actor yourself, I don't think you really get... Well, what do you mean you can, like, go... Well, you look like you're in love with them. you you right. know, it's very like you're surreal. enjoying yourself. <laughs> but you, but you're married to somebody who's creative and a writer, and right. Has but written, he's not an actor. But he's written a lot of yeah. love scenes, right? Yeah, and true. Yeah. How long have you been married? We've been married or together up on 26 years. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know. Okay, so as someone who just married a TV writer or maker of TV shows in September. Congratulations, by the Thank way. Thank you very much. What What is the secret to being married to a TV writer? Well, it's not really about, you know, it's about the person, right? Yeah. 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 That's a long time. I mean, it's yeah. really amazing. It's really, uh, it's really a long time. And I always admire... But you've been together a while now. We've been together a while. I think 20... 14, like five, five, four or five years, something like that. It's been a while. And I think it's... I, so what made you finally get married then? Well, I think he wanted to get married. Mm-hmm. And I was... I had some trepidation about getting married again. And I thought, I'm fine. You know, I'm good. I have my kids. I have my company. And 
Why rock the boat? Things Why rock are good. the boat? Yeah. And then I realized that uh, it really was stemming from this issue, which I think it has I've carried with me for so much of my life, which is a fear of real intimacy. And Brad, my husband, is like so deeply capable of intimacy. And I was like, if I make this commitment, it's like making a commitment to heal this part of myself and really commit to this idea that I can do that. Give myself over to surrender. Surrender. And it was so terrifying to me that I thought, yeah, I better, I better, I better try this. Like this seems like a worthwhile pursuit and he's a very safe person to do it with. Like Mm -hmm. he's so intelligent and and David says he's a great writer. He's a great writer. Really oh, wow. Writer. David says he's a great yes, writer. Yes, he did. I'm going to tell him that he said that. He's gonna... Yeah, he's really, really talented. He's yeah. very soulful. And I I like being married. It's cool. Mm, it's... Yeah. Had you been married before? I ever? had been married before, yeah. And but no children? No, no. Not okay. with my first husband, yeah. Yeah. So and how come you decided to get married again? I I met David. Right. You know? I met David. I and I got married. My first. I was really young. The first time I got married, I was twenty three, twenty two, twenty three. Wow. And we were, you know, we were both just so young. And I guess we split up. I guess I was in my late twenties, around right. twenty seven, twenty eight. And so, you know, I was single for a while. And yeah, I was just. He was just the right person. Did how did you meet? It was blind date. Oh, really? It was a blind date. Did you go on a lot of blind dates? I went on a couple, and I really didn't like them. <laughs> it's a very strange thing. Have you done that? I don't think so. Yeah. So I did, and then my best friend said, I want you to meet this guy, David Kelly. I'm like, who's that? She said, well, he writes this TV show, and he used to be a lawyer, and he writes this show called Picket Fences, and... I just really think, I'm like, no, I don't, I just, I said, that's it. No more. I can't, I can't, I can't. She's just, just this one more, just this one more. Okay. So yeah. And I was very difficult. And, <laughs> but then right before we were, we, so I decided, which was a bad idea, apparently, I still don't know why it was such a bad idea, but I decided that we should do like a group night <laughs> and that we should do a bowling night. And so I don't think that's a bad idea. I thought it was a good idea. I think it's a great idea. But of course, we didn't speak at all. Oh. In fact, I, he was chatting at my sister, and I thought, well, maybe I should set them up because they seem to be getting along famously. <laughs> and, my, and my friend said, don't you dare. <laughs> so, and that was kind of, yeah, that was it. So, and I had started adoption proceedings with my daughter. Oh, right. And she was coming. She was on her way. She was coming in like a couple of months. And that wasn't... Well, and so we started seeing each other. And I, 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 I realized, I thought, I, I think this one's going to be around. Wow. I have to... By the break this way, <laughs> I have something to tell you. <laughs> You're going to be a father in, in two months. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> and, but he was game, right? He was He was amazing. In fact, I said to him, I said, can you keep a secret? And he said, yeah. I said, and then I, I, I chickened out. I got cold feet and I went, no, never mind. No, I'm not. He said, what, what, what? No, I'm not really. I'm just not really ready to tell you. And he said, you're adopting a child. <gasps> he just knew. He guessed. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. What have you learned after 
being with the same person for 25 years? Like, what has that level of commitment taught you? You know, when it's, when you choose well and you choose for the right, it just work. I mean, it's just so much, not that it isn't work, but I mean, I think it's obviously, it's really, really important that you continue to carve out time for each other because the demands of having children and, and if you both have careers, but you know, we had date night every Saturday night, come hell or high water, we had date night for, you know, the first 20 years that we were together. So nice. So the other thing I think is because we became parents so early on, I think that our kind of honeymoon period was sort of interrupted. We, we sort of had arrested development in our honeymoon mm-hmm. period. But I think we also, I think, I don't know, I just think it's really important to marry somebody that you really respect and that yeah. they respect you and that's funny. That helps. Funny's good. You know? But I think the respect part is. Is he funny? He's funny. Yeah, he's a very dry sense of humor. I like that. That's so good. He's a little wicked. (laughs) (laughs) Just wicked enough and just sweet enough. (laughs) That's so nice. And so, do you find that being with somebody creative is like, I'm just wondering how much alignment there needs to be around that sort of thing. Like, do you think that being, I mean, for me, I only ask because being with a writer for me, it's like the way that he see, he sees the world with so much curiosity. And so like his brand of creativity is, is like, it's so receptive. And then he sort of like metabolizes it and it comes back out. Mm -hmm. So I think he, I'm creative in a very different way. He's creative. Are you creative in very different ways? It's interesting, you know, he he almost sort of channels when he writes. And that's pretty cool. I think he has a very different process than than most most writers. And it in a in a strange way we both a little bit compartmentalize our work. A little, we don't really talk shop a lot, you know. In fact, I have to beg him if I if I'm struggling with something and I want him to, I might, you know, want his input if I'm deciding on something. I mean, I have to beg him to read anything for me. You know, he's just not that interested. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I sort of, he's so prolific too. He is. I mean, will you tell us just, you know, for everybody, all his amazing shows for people who might not know? Well, I'm going to probably miss, uh, he did... Uh, Picket Fences, Ally McBeal, The Practice, Chicago Hope, L.A. Law was his first show With when he was Stevie. just a kid. Yep. He was like in his early 20s, I think. And he just has a big one and on HBO. Yeah, big Little Lies. Thank you. And um, know, he's working on something with Nicole, a new one with Nicole Kidman now. He's, yeah, he's... He's so... He, I mean, incredibly prolific. Yeah. Incredibly successful. I mean, there are very few. And he somehow managed to because... I said to him, you know, I'm not going to be like a TV producer widow or like raising these kids on my own. Yeah. I'm so you can just get that idea out of your head. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Lay down law. <laughs> and he was really good. You know, he never wrote on the weekends. I mean, he, yeah. yeah. And did you have any rules like, oh, every, you know, we're going to have dinner together as a family these nights or any sort of structure that you We put... had dinner together every night as a family. That's so I mean, great. other than, of course, when I wasn't there and right. I was working late, but... That's amazing. Yeah. And how 
how has he been about your new venture? Amazingly supportive. So um, cool. In fact, you know, there have been cross. There have been points along the way where I was very discouraged and right. thinking I wasn't going to do this. And but I had the product. That was the thing. I the, I had the. That was in some ways as challenging as that was. Ultimately, it was actually the easiest things because I had the right partners. And so I knew what I set out to do was, is it possible to create a premium fine fragrance where you don't have to sacrifice quality for safety? Is that po- even possible? And I, I, and I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I had no company. Then I had to build a company. And, and did you invest in it yourself? Yeah. I was. In, wow. That's what I did over here for a long time too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but it, it, it embeds you in what you're doing in such a different and specific mm-hmm. way. True. And so what is your hope? Like it's three years from now, where's Henry Rose? It's successful. <laughs> and I think that, you know, we'll expand the brand, but in a way that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I don't think we want to just be sort of doing new drops just to be doing them. Right. And it's been really exciting doing something that's innovative and that is sustainable and to continue to look for what are the white spaces out there? Where is the innovation? What can we improve on? What can we make safer? Each one is amazing. And I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm, I'm so proud of you that you've done this and created this. And, and well, I'm so honored that you came and did this. I've been trying to get Michelle Pfeiffer on this podcast <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my chat with Michelle Pfeiffer. I cannot wait to see where she takes Henry Rose next. And in the meantime, you can buy her incredible non-toxic perfumes in the Goop shop. Just head to goop.com slash the podcast. That's a wrap on today's episode. If you have a second, please rate, review, and hit subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget to share the Goop podcast with a friend. And I hope you'll come back next week on Tuesday and Thursday. My chief content officer, Elise Lunin, is interviewing a couple more brilliant guests. Don't miss it. And in the meantime, for more, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast. <laughs>